Welcome to another episode of Dr. Doctor, the award-winning radio show and podcast featuring your physician hosts, Dr. Tom McGovern and Dr. Andrew Mullally, where we and our guests discuss relevant health-related topics from an authentically Catholic perspective. Today, our three guests will be heard across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Joining us, we will have different experts talking about the abortion pill reversal movement, or as Dr. George Delgado has called it, a second chance at choice for pregnant women who take the first of two pills that are used to cause chemical abortions. In our first segment, we're really excited to talk to Robin Chambers, the Executive Director of Advocacy for Children at Focus on the Family in Colorado Springs. She's going to tell us a moving story that demonstrates how this topic can change and even save lives. In our second segment, we'll feature Dr. George Delgado, a family physician from San Diego who has appeared previously on our show. He's performed medical research on how to provide opportunities for women who regret taking the first of two abortion-inducing pills to prevent the loss of their unborn baby's life. And then in our third segment, we are going to talk to Mr. Jorel Gantzi, the president of Heartbeat International, an organization working to make abortion unwanted today and unthinkable for future generations by providing an effective network of life-affirming pregnancy help. Heartbeat International, Focus on the Family, and Dr. Delgado work together in that mission. And we welcome onto our show the executive director for Advocacy for Children at Focus on the Family, Robin Chambers. Robin, thank you for being with us today. Thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. You know, I got to hear you speak to the Physician Resource Council at Focus on the Family back in October, and I was uh, just riveted by a story you told us. But first of all, give us a brief overview. What do you do as an advocate for children at Focus on the Family? Our main two initiatives that we do through Advocacy for Children is all around life. Um, the first is our big program called Option Ultrasound, and that is a program to get life-saving medical equipment into pregnancy centers so they can really um, intervene in a woman's decision for life or abortion. And so we do ultrasound machines, nurses training grants, and now grants for the abortion pill reversal, anything we can do to really help educate that young woman to choose life. And then the other side of that, my other hat that I wear is I oversee our foster care and adoption services. Um, and what we do there is really just raise awareness of the children currently in foster care um, that are desperate for a forever family. And those are kiddos whose, for whatever reason, parental rights have been terminated. Um, there's no extended family they're able to take those children. And sometimes they languish in foster homes or they hop from home to home, depending on the situation. So our goal is to find them a forever family so that they wait no more. And we partner with churches across the United States. Um, and in April, we'll be heading to Kentucky to do our first in-person event since quarantine happened. <laughs> so we're excited, yes. So we are happy to be back on the road and getting that message back out. And what's your relationship with uh, Dr. Delgado and Mr. Godsey at Heartbeat International? I actually heard about Dr. Delgado through Heartbeat International. And I have to say, um, we have partnered with Heartbeat International for 17 years. The program that I just mentioned, Option Ultrasound, started um, actually last month, 17 years ago. Um, but we knew that we couldn't do this work without um, lots of help. You know, that's one of the things that's really near and dear to my heart is to collaborate and partner with those who are doing really great work. And Heartbeat International is one of those. And so when they started offering um, grants, or excuse me, when they started offering abortion pill reversal, um, I sought Jarrell out. He's been a longtime friend and just said, oh my goodness, how can we help? What can we do? How can we support the pregnancy centers in this work? And so with his help and his um, amazing relationship with Dr. Delgado, we started offering grants for pregnancy centers to be able to have their medical staff go through that training and focus on the family pays for that at 100%. Man, that is awesome. Well, you know, Robin, I did not get to hear the story that really piqued Tom's interest with all this. Can you tell us that story for our listeners? Absolutely. So one of the clients that came through the Abortion Pill Reversal Network, and that's that network that Heartbeat International has, her name is Wisdom. She's 17 years old, super intelligent, in fact, was on her way to being valedictorian and had her unexpected pregnancy. So like many young women do, she panics, um, thinks, how do I fix this? And so she went down the road of a, a chemical abortion and took the first pill. And because of her age, 17, when um, the provider called in the prescription for that second pill to start the abortion, um, her mom had to go to the pharmacy and pick up that pill. And so 
as soon as the mom picks up that prescription, she realizes what this is. She realizes well, the mom didn't is, know she'd taken the first one. She did not. She had not okay. disclosed to her mama that she was pregnant or the grandmother or the <laughs> grandmother to be. That's right. And so so she goes home and um, and I will say very lovingly confronted her daughter and just said, why didn't you tell me what's you know, what's going on? And um, and through just conversation with mom and daughter, they realized they did not want to do this. Wisdom did not want to do this. And so not knowing what to do, they go to the emergency room. And this is what's fascinating to me. The doc didn't, he's like, I really, I don't really even know much about this because it's, it's not really been talked about a lot. I don't know what protocol we're supposed to employ here. And so he actually called poison control. And um, which I find just fascinating that you have something that's considered a medical procedure. Um, and yet his first thought is I've got to call poison control, right? Um, I think so it's a great thing that the ER doc didn't think, well, you already started it. Just forget about it. Absolutely. And that what a God intervention, you know, for that yes. to happen. And so he actually came across the abortion pill reversal network and um, gave that 800 number that that lifeline um, to wisdom. And so they called and they were connected with a nurse. That's one of the things that really, really impacted me when Jarrell first started talking about this is they have medical professionals taking those calls. Um, and so it's a medical you know, situation. And so you around the clock, right? 24 seven, 24 seven. And so they connected wisdom with a doc who was able to start that protocol and um, her little one, and I wish I had the picture, um, but her little one was born healthy, um, very, very healthy pregnancy, healthy delivery, health, you know, just a healthy baby girl. And her name is Queen. And so Wisdom went on to graduate with honors and still was able to be a mama to Queen. And her mama is now a grandma. And so she is on her way to college and doing exceptionally well. Man, what a great story. Yeah. Wow. And the picture that I had that Tom probably yeah. saw was this perfect little tiara on this precious baby's little head. And I thought, what a gift from God. And that's one of the things we tell these young women, you are, you know, you're a princess of the most high King. And so it was just a beautiful picture of that little one knowing that she was made in the image of God and that it, she was saved because of the abortion pill reversal. How long after she had taken that first pill, did she go to the ER? Do you know? It was, um, I think within 12 hours was what I had heard. Oh, and, you know, we have a very narrow window when yes. that young woman takes that, that first pill before she's supposed to take the second to complete the abortion. Did, did the ER give the medicine for her? I don't believe so. I think because of the abortion pill reversal network, they were able to connect with a doctor through that network. And the protocol is a prescription for progesterone. And so she was able to start that at home. Um, and again, just a beautiful baby girl saved because of that. Now, are you yeah. aware of how many women uh, focus on the family has been able to get information to, or is there a different way that you're intersecting with heartbeat on this effort? Actually, those statistics come from Jarrell. And so um, the latest numbers, and I certainly don't want to steal his thunder, but the latest numbers that we've heard from them, over 2,000 women have successfully started the abortion pill reversal, and they've had 2,000 live births. And wow. so we get those, yeah, we get those wow. stats from Jarrell. So Man, that's why we partner with them. What, you know, what, you know, that's one more way that we can um, impact these women and educate them on what's going on in their bodies. You know, there's a lot of places where there's legislation being talked about to try and bring uh, more knowledge about the abortion pill reversal option and and kind of the the status quo. A lot of the abortion providers say, "Oh, there's no data that doesn't really work. There's no people." Well, we've got two thousand people. It sounds That's like right. the point too. <laughs> what What do you wish more people knew about chemical abortions? You know, one of the things that breaks my heart is that these young women have no idea what this is going to do to their bodies. And so they are not being seen by a medical professional. There's not a doctor who is, you know, although I, I disagree with abortion, I disagree vehemently with a self-managed abortion, especially when that young woman doesn't know what's going to happen in her body. 
Um, and to think that she is taking something that ends the life of her child by herself at home without medical oversight is very frightening to me. Um, and it makes me wonder how many of these young women have lasting um, effects in their bodies. Their, their reproduction could be completely altered um, by taking this pill. And there's no physician or nurse who's overseeing this. Um, and that really, really concerns me when you talk about hemorrhaging or, or you know, what, how much is too much blood is what actually one of the clients said that called. And so those wow. types of things really scare me that these young women don't know what's going to happen. And the, the psychological effects on that, I think, can be um, years, years of um, regret that they don't realize can happen. Yeah, there's not a lot of do-it-yourself medical procedures. Exactly. And if there was one, abortion would not be the one that I would suggest trying. Holy cow. Mm -hmm. How can listeners support the work that you're doing? First and foremost, we always say get involved at your local pregnancy center. Those are the men and women on the front line, and they desperately need our help. Um, and honestly, Tom, that's one of the things that I feel like is one of my greatest um, joys in working at Focus on the Family is being able to support pregnancy centers. And so lots of ways to get involved. Um, we also um, have a website. It's just, you know, focusedonthefamily.com. There's an entire section on pro-life. Um, and we have great resources on how you can get involved with Focus, how you can get involved at your local pregnancy center. And then there's resources to really help educate yourself on how to have these conversations. And these can be really tough conversations. And a lot of times people think it's just a political conversation. And I always say it's not a red or a blue issue. It's a Jesus <laughs> issue and it's a heart issue. And so there's ways for us to, um, to really help educate people on how to have these conversations and come alongside a young woman who finds herself in that situation. That's the greatest gift you can give to that young woman is to support her through that pregnancy. Robin, what else do you want listeners to know? Is there like a phone number that might be important? <laughs> um, actually, the, it's 1-800-A-FAMILY. That's super, super easy. Just 1-800-A-FAMILY. Um, but honestly, the best way to get involved with us or to ask questions uh, is just go to that focus on the family backslash pro-life. Um, there's uh, several different ways to get involved, uh, several different ways that they can call us. Um, and I would love to hear from your listeners and answer any questions. Um, but honestly, one of the greatest things that your, your folks can do is pray for us as we continue to fight this fight. Um, and we, our prayer is that we can go boldly, um, but in love and truth. And Robin and Changers, thank you so much. We, you, you get to be part of one interesting part of this show is we always do a medical trivia question. Oh, yes. goodness. Um, <laughs> and Tom, Tom has got one uh, related to our topic today. Yes. Okay. So our patented medical trivia question of the day is the topic of crisis pregnancy centers. So simple question. What was the first network of crisis pregnancy centers founded? What's the name of the network and in what country and what year did it start? You've got to wait till the end of the show to find out, but we will be back next with Dr. George Delgado in the next segment of Dr. Doctor here from the virtual studios of Redeemer Radio. And here we are in our second segment of the show, this time with our second guest episode, Dr. George Delgado, president of the Steno Institute, president of Delgado Medical Consulting, medical director of Culture of Life Family Services in San Diego County, medical, medical advisor to the Abortion Pill Rescue Network, and a board member of APLOG, American Association of Pro-Life OBGYN Doctors. And we are talking about a second chance at choice, reversing chemical abortions to let babies live. George, welcome back to Dr. Doctor. Thank you. It's wonderful to be with you again. You know, we just heard a great story from Robin Chambers. I know you're familiar with that story and many others like it. Um, you know, you are saving lives with the work that you are doing. Is this demand by women for this chemical abortion? Is it increasing, decreasing? What, would she, what should we know about that? It's definitely increasing. So the uh, medical abortion has been available in the United States legally since the year 2000. And these days, mifepristone abortions, which make up the vast majority, I would say 95 to 99% of all medical abortions, account for 35 to 45% at least of all abortions in the United States each year. So that's 350 to 450,000 abortions wow. accomplished with the, these uh, chemicals every year in the United States. And it's going up and and we could look towards uh, some countries in Europe, for example, in Scotland, 80% of all abortions are medical abortions. In oh some other goodness. countries, it's 80 to 
How, how do they make life untenable for an unborn baby? Well, you know, the, uh, the way mifepristone works is that it's a progesterone receptor blocker. And we know that progesterone is essential for a normal pregnancy. That's why it's called progesterone, progestational. And when progesterone receptors are blocked, progesterone cannot carry out the good things it does, including keeping the placenta well adhered to the wall of the uterus. When the placenta starts to peel away, then the baby loses its nutrients, its hydration, and it dies. But, and it, but the first pill does that, but that's not enough on its own to cause an abortion, or is it? Well, it's enough to end the life of the preborn baby uh, up to about 80% of the time. We use a conservative figure that 25% of embryos and fetuses would survive if they were exposed to mifepristone alone. But because mifepristone doesn't always cause very good contractions, the second medication called misoprostol, brand name Cytotec, is given, and it's a prostaglandin analog. Prostaglandins cause the uterus to contract, and the squeezing rhythmic contraction of the uterus then expels all the contents of the uterus, which are the remains of the preborn baby. My how, goodness. How, how did you realize that you could do something to reverse these? When, how did that come upon to you? Well, it was really quite happenstance and I think really a, a God moment. I was in my office in uh, San Diego seeing patients one day and I got a call from a sidewalk counselor by the name of Terry Palmquist. And Terry had uh, received a phone call from a woman in El Paso, Texas, who had taken the mifepristone and changed her mind. She wanted a second chance at choice. So Terry was calling to see if I had any ideas on what I could do to help this woman. Well, I'd never heard of anyone reversing medical abortions at that point, but I had used progesterone quite a bit during pregnancy in order to help women with low progesterone levels in a situation called threatened miscarriage. So the Holy Spirit put the idea in my mind, well, this is an analogous situation to a, a threatened miscarriage. If the abort, the progesterone levels may not be low, but they're sort of the effect of progesterone is low because it's being blocked. Yes. So I reasoned, well, why don't I just try giving extra progesterone like I do with these women with threatened miscarriages and see if it would work? So the idea came to my mind. I got on the phone and I found a doctor in El Paso, Texas, Dr. John Ellen Bellacura, who had progesterone in the office. I presented my idea to her. She didn't think it was too crazy. I rolled <laughs> out... Uh, very quickly, a protocol that I thought would work. She accepted it. She used it, and the baby was saved. Oh my goodness! My what year was word. this, George? So this was in uh, two thousand nine. And, and how long after, in that first instance, how long after she took the first pill did she get the progesterone? She got the progesterone in less than forty-eight hours uh, after having started. Jesus. And so in your research, what have you learned about timing and dosage and effectiveness? Well, we've learned quite a bit, especially about dosing. So when we first started, we were always recommended injectable progesterone, which is injected into the gluteal muscle, which is the, the bottom muscle uh, where we sit. And it's a very <laughs> thick substance. And so it's, it's, it can be an uncomfortable injection. Well, while we were... Um, gathering data to write our second paper, which is a large case series of over 250 successful reversals, we found a group in the Los Angeles, Orange County area that had been giving women high doses of oral progesterone. And it turned out that they were getting success rates as good as the injection. So then we started using that ourselves and we started recommending the high dose uh, oral protocol. And that became the predominant protocol uh, from then on. We also have had some experience with using vaginal progesterone. And what we want to do with our future studies is look, compare high-dose oral with uh, high-dose vaginal progesterone. We also have been looking at some uh, even higher doses of oral progesterone because when I, I did some traveling in Europe and gave some talks in Switzerland, and there, there they have been using very high doses of progesterone. Women have been tolerating it well. The reason why they're using higher doses there was because the mifepristone dose used there is um, higher than here in the United States. Wow. When, so, when you say high dose, I know a lot of women have some experience with progesterone, especially related to pregnancy. Um, what, what kind of doses are you talking? And do you notice any side effects at these high doses? Well, 
the, the side effects we predominantly see are sleepiness, and we warn them about that. And usually that's not a big problem. Sometimes we also see a little bit of change in mood. Usually it's an uplifting of the mood because progesterone can lift the mood up. And the doses we're using uh, for the high dose are 400 milligrams twice a day for the first three days, and then 400 milligrams at night until the end of the first uh, trimester. Sometimes what we're doing now, however, is using 600 milligrams twice a day for one or two days, and then 400 milligrams twice a day for two days, then down to 400 milligrams at night for the remainder of the first trimester. Man, that's great. So, and what uh, I know you have several publications on this. In general, what are the success rates if people change their mind relatively quickly? I know there's there's a time element to this as well. Yeah, so the success rates we've, we've found with uh, our second study are 68% with the high-dose oral protocol and 64% with the injection protocol. So uh, both of them are statistically significant compared to the historic control rate of a 25% survival if nothing is done. 25 So are there some dosages? Because I remember one of the studies that we talked to you about maybe three years ago, there were subgroups where it was an 80 to 90% success rate, but wasn't it a big enough group to say that this will be more effective? Yeah, those are those are very small subgroups of the injection. Okay. Uh, exactly. And what is the timing by which you've got to get this progesterone in to make a difference? In other words, is there a higher reversal rate if you get it within the 20, first 24 hours compared to 24 to 48, et cetera? So that, that's something that we were going to study very carefully in our next study. With our current research, we have found success up to 72 hours. And we have not found a sharp differentiation between, let's say, 12 hours and 48 hours. But our suspicion is that, yes, the sooner we get it on board, the better. We've been very fortunate in that the last few years, because of the great network uh, that we um, established and then handed over to Heartbeat International, the Abortion Pill Rescue Network, that the, the predominantly uh, a high percentage of women have been started uh, less than 48 hours, and most of them 24 hours or less within taking the mifepristone. So that means that the word is getting out. Women are contacting us, and our physicians in our network are very responsive. How many... Um Hours after the first pill is the misoprostol usually taken? So the misoprostol, they get different uh, instructions depending on the abortion center where they go. But generally, they're instructed to take it 24 to 48 hours after the uh, mifepristone. Which so that means gives that us a nice be, window. Yeah, so that, that means you're typically going to get the call sooner than later. That's correct. Now, there, it's been interesting. They have done some research, and I don't know if it's in response to what we're doing, but there have been some studies where they've been dosing the two drugs together uh, and maybe in an attempt to close our window. I don't know. But those studies have shown that the abortion, if I can call it success rate, is not as high when the two drugs are given together. So I think uh, their protocols will continue to have that gap and will continue to give us that window for women who want a second chance at choice. So is there a way to reverse misoprostol? There is not a way to reverse misoprostol, but that's something that we are going to start looking at with uh, animal studies. I've been collaborating with Dr. Stephen Samut at Franciscan University, who has a rat lab there, and we're going to study a veterinary medicine uh, prostaglandin receptor blocker to see if it would uh, be able to block misoprostol abortions themselves. So we want to be st several steps ahead of the ballgame, also because... <laughs> In uh, third world countries, they're using misoprostol by itself because mifepristone wow. is so expensive. So we want a way to help those women. So we want to establish that this uh, prostaglandin blocker can uh, be effective. And then when it's uh, approved in humans, then we'll be ready to go. Now, that's fascinating because isn't Steve a PhD psychologist? He is a PhD psychologist. He does a lot of... Uh, uh, studies in rats and rat psychology. And that's how he got started with the rat research. And then he got interested in this and he's published papers on the psychological effects of medical abortion using mifepristone in rats. Wow. And he, ha he now has a good rat model for mifepristone abortions. So now we're taking that the next step. So he's a perfect person with which to collaborate. And he's very interested in this. And uh, the Seno Institute has already given him some funding to uh, continue to work on this. Now, George, what, what kind of role does ultrasound play 
in in having patients choose life after after taking the mifepristone? Well, the ultrasound is really important. The reason why is that when they go to the abortion center, they often don't show them the ultrasound image of the preborn baby. And sometimes, frankly, the women don't want to see it. However, once they're starting to consider reversal, when they see that baby on the ultrasound, that makes a psychological connection and really a physical connection uh, because those photons coming from the, um, from the monitor into their eyes, they touch the retina and that creates a physiologic response. And they probably get then some uh, secretion, a little bit of oxytocin and other hormones that lead to bonding with that baby. So that bonding is very, very important. And we see that. We see women who start to cry immediately and their cries of joy, cries of sorrow and remorse, but it gives them great hope because now they know they have that second chance at choice. Man, and how, how safe is this regimen? Are, are there any increased risk of problems, preterm labor, or birth defects with the regimen that you propose? It's interesting that you ask that because in our study, our preterm birth rate was actually 2.7%, while in the United States, preterm birth rates are 10%. Interesting, yeah. So they had a lower preterm birth rate. And our birth defect rate was equal to what that is in the general population, which was uh, 2.7% also. And the reported birth uh, defect rate in the United States is between 2 and 3%. So we're right on the mark there. There's no evidence uh, that progesterone causes birth defects in the... Um, the FDA has given, in 1999, gave its seal of approval to using progesterone in pregnancy. Uh, the mifepristone has not shown to cause birth defects, although it does kill the preborn baby, it does not cause birth defects. And in fact, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists has come out with two uh, practice bulletins. The latest one was in 2020, stating that uh, mifepristone is not teratogenic, that it does not cause birth defects. So progesterone is not only safe, but it's helpful, incredibly helpful. So you don't even know if there's an upper limit yet of, of safety or, 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 or is, there any, is there any reason to test higher doses to see if you have a higher reversal rate? Well, there, there, it, there will be for sure. And I, I think that not probably our next study, but the one after that will be trying to look at higher doses. So... Yeah. Go ahead, Andrew. Well, one one of the things that uh, I came across was that in your studies, there were some women who wanted the second chance at choice, but then unfortunately they changed their mind again and went ahead and had their abortion completed. Do you have any idea why? And do, do you and your team understand what's going on in these women that we can try and help them? Well, we don't know for sure. And that's one of the things we want to study with Dr. Samut at uh, Franciscan wow. University, the psychology, both of choosing medical abortion and also the psychology of choosing reversal. That way we can try to cater counseling to focus on, you know, their needs specifically. As far as my speculation, you know, I think that women are hardwired to protect their young. There's no doubt about that. When they go against that hardwiring, they're extremely conflicted. However, they still have all the pressures on them that led them to choose abortion. So that's why it's so difficult for them. The other thing, uh, physiologically, we know that uh, progesterone receptors are in the brain. And we think that by blocking those progesterone receptors, it may change how they're thinking. And that even the supplemental progesterone, or even because a lot of times they'll change their mind before they even start, that if we can't get those uh, receptors occupied with progesterone instead of blocked by mifepristone in the brain, they're going to be thinking differently and deciding differently. So we think that may have something to do with it. Oh, I can't wait till you have that research done to have you back on. That's going to be fascinating. I, I'm wondering, George, when Robin told us a story about Queen and Wisdom, she mentioned that an ER doc first went to call the Poison Control Hotline. Have you guys tried to get information to the National Poison Control Hotline in case they get calls about this? No, we have not had any contact with them, but that's a good idea. And George, how can our listeners help save the lives of unborn babies? Well, there are several things they can do. First, they can learn more about this and they can go to our website, stenoinstitute.org, learn more about abortion pill reversal so that they are well-informed because they never know when someone's going to ask them, you know, I have a friend who's thinking about medical, taking the, the abortion pill. Then they can say, well, you know, 
talk to her. And if, if she does go through it and she changes her mind, there is a second chance at choice. Or they may encounter someone who's already taken and is looking for help. They can then point them in the way of the abortion pill rescue uh, website. So those are very, very important things. They can also support our efforts to increase education and increase knowledge and increase acceptability of uh, abortion pill reversal. So we at the Seno Institute are working on several fronts. One is the research we've discussed. Two is education, increasing awareness. And three is increasing acceptability within the medical community and among policymakers, because in several states, they've been passing laws that are supporting the uh, informing about medical abortion reversal for women who go to the abortion centers. And the abortion providers, of course, are fighting this tooth and nail. I just a few months ago was testifying in the state of Tennessee, uh, supporting their efforts to uh, to maintain this law, which has been challenged by ACLU and Planned Parenthood. So Steno Institute is working on all these fronts so people can help us by donating to us. We're a nonprofit organization. We have 501c3 status, so the, the deductions will be the donations will be tax deductible. Why is it called Steno Institute? So Steno is named after Blessed Nicholas Steno. And Blessed Nicholas Steno, you may remember from medical school, the duct of Stenson, right? The parotid duct. Well, Steno is the Latin form of his name. He's the one who first uh, identified that duct, so it's named after him. But he did much more than that. He's the father of modern paleontology. If you're a paleontologist, you'll know uh, Nicholas Steno right off the bat. He's, you've read about him a lot. He was a great anatomist. He also was a great physician. And he came. From, he was a, a native of Denmark. He was a Protestant. When he uh, went to Europe to serve as the physician for uh, uh, nobility in, in uh, Southern Europe, he started to get to know a lot of Catholics. And then he started studying philosophy and theology. And he gave up all of his scientific endeavors and he went full born to theology. He became a Catholic and eventually he was ordained a bishop. He was a very pious bishop. He <laughs> gave away his pectoral cross to raise money for the poor. He would go visit his uh, the, uh, different people in his diocese in a very uh, simple carriage, even when it was raining. So he's a very humble, pious, holy and very intelligent man, very well rounded. So we thought that he was a perfect blending of faith and reason. We thought he would be a great patron for our institute. And is it based out of San Diego where you live? Yes, it is. George, what final thoughts do you have that our listeners should know about this important topic? Well, I think the most important thing for them to know is that abortion pill reversal is safe, it's effective, and that women who are given the chance at a second chance at choice are extremely grateful. So let's get the word out and let's let make sure that everyone knows about abortion pill reversal. So stenoinstitute.com? Dot org. Stenoinstitute.org. Yes. And then also abortionpillreversal.com. Are the numbers yes. are one to go to? That, that, yeah, they go to that. That'll get them to Abortion Pill Rescue Network. George, I hope you can be on in a, a couple years to give us the, uh, the research update from uh, Franciscan University. I never would have expected them getting into this area, and I'm so happy they are. God yes, bless you for you and your work, George. Welcome back to our third interview in this triumvirate of interviews about abortion pill reversal. Dr. Doctor is fortunate to have with us today Mr. Jarrell Godsey. He's president of Heartbeat International, and he's been working in the pregnancy help movement uh, for over 30 years. He uh, started working uh, with uh, Hope Pregnancy Help Centers in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, became an executive administrator there. Uh, moved to Longmont, Colorado in uh, 1999, then uh, came to the heart of the country, Columbus, Ohio, uh, to become vice president of Heartbeat International in 2006. Ten years later, became president. And he and his wife, Karen, uh, actually met volunteering at a center down in Florida. They make their home in Columbus, Ohio, with their three children. Jarrell, thanks for being with us on Dr. Doctor. Well, great to be with you. My pleasure. You know, th there's a ton of things that Heartbeat International does. C kind of help us wrap our heads around this, because a lot of people might not have heard of the organization, but they've certainly heard of some of the organizations or some of the local um, groups that you help oversee. Absolutely. Well, we, we're an affiliation organization, a kind of a federation, and uh, Heartbeat International was call, kind of called into existence by the pregnancy help community of the very early days in the 
in the really in the very early 70s, you know, even before Roe. So yeah. we, we officially began in 1971. Actually, this is our 50th golden anniversary. So we're excited for wow, the year. Wow. So very cool. But in those early days, it was literally there was a, a f- just a couple of hundred people that while, you know, the whole shift was happening in the country from, uh, you know, kind of a pro-life ethic to now abortion is sweeping the land. Uh, there was those that were just anchoring in and saying, well, we have to do something. And there were, I'm, you know, I've talked to those that were in that era and they really talked about how this will certainly be settled soon. The courts will get this right. This is not going to be long lasting. Well, here we are, you know, 48 years later after Roe and it's a, still a problem. But there were people that rose up and said, well, we, we can't wait for even a few months for the courts to get this right or the politicians to fix this. We need to help these women so they don't feel forced into an abortion. And that is the pregnancy help community. So Heartbeat started then. We, we pulled together learning, knowledge, information. We created uh, opportunity for relationship, connections. Um, uh, we created the first worldwide directory of pregnancy help that's been around now for, for 50 years. Um, it went online, you know, back, way back when in uh, like 2000. And, and now all of the, all everything that we know about pregnancy help around the world is pretty much listed on our worldwide directory. Uh, we, so we have conferences. There's been one since 1971. This will be our 50th conference. Uh, we are Um, uh, connecting people who do this work across the spectrum, you know, whether it's here in the U S and all 50 States or around the globe, we're in now 70, 70 countries. Uh, Of course, every continent, if this is an issue for us in the U S it's certainly an issue worldwide. We know, um, you know, averages about 50 million abortions in the, in the world and um, just shy of a million abortions in the U S. So we have about 2% of the problem uh, and where 98% of is outside of the U S. So this is truly an international adventure and we're blessed to work alongside some great people that are doing this and in, in all kinds of cultures around the globe. What are some of the reasons, Jorel, that an independent crisis pregnancy center would develop a relationship with Heartbeat International? Well, for the first thing is that we're we're better together. The 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 local center is really focused on their community, and so pregnancy help looks different. It'll look different in Indiana, in the Midwest, than it might say in the Northeast or in the South or in the in the West. Uh, and and the idea that we learn together, there there you know there is things that we learn about the culture, kind of. Uh, in the same process. So we're better together. We, we've always been kind of a grassroots organization. We learn from one another. We, we compile information and then we share information. We do a number of things, not just uh, our conference, annual conference, but also monthly publications. We have about eight of those. We, we, we publish something called pregnancyhelpnews.com, which if anybody's interested or connected to a pregnancy center, that's where we publish uh, you know, the things that we learn and that we know. And so it's just a great opportunity. One is that we really connect together and uh, network so that we're all stronger. We encourage one another as well as uh, equip one another. Uh, but then there's all, all those resources and trainings that we work to do that. On our team at Heartbeat, we have about, I, I believe the last count was about 400 years of experience combined in the pregnancy help work. Wow. So, so Jarrell, uh, I, how many pregnancy help centers are there in the U.S. that you know of? Okay, in the U.S., we count uh, just uh, right around 2,800 locations. And now, are uh, all of them part of your federation, or are there some that are not? No, they're not. We have we we have about half of them, actually, slightly more than half, are affiliated with Heartbeat International. Uh, a, a good portion of the rest are affiliated with some other organizations, uh, also sister organizations. There are probably uh, I don't know, maybe three, four, five hundred that aren't necessarily affiliated with any of the national organizations. Um, we, we celebrate them and we, we, we're trying to serve the movement as a whole. Uh, so we're, we're grateful for the opportunity to really to be privileged to work together because to us, this is a community. Uh, this is a community that has a common mission, common goal, maybe some different uh, ways to do it, different methods, different philosophies, but all the same heart. So if, it, so we're here in Fort Wayne, Indiana, say one of the organizations, one of the you know, freestanding places wanted to become part of you. What would they gain from you that they couldn't do alone? 
Well, one is they, they get the representation. Sometimes it's uh, it can be a, a benefit to be connected to something larger than yourself. So we trust and recognize that kind of principle of subsidiarity where they are the ones functioning and know best what happens in their communities. But then they have a, a partner that's on the national, regional, national, even international level that kind of connects with them. We operate something called optionline.org, which is a which is a 1-800 uh, call center. Um, it's uh, we, we get phone calls and chat. And when they can, when they're on option line, we are really referring clients to them that we find. We hope that their local marketing will capture those that are looking for help right in their area. But if it's not, optionline.org is a connector, and we have a team. We have about 20 people who do just that. They work on option line, and they they receive and connect uh, people looking for help to that very help in the local area. So that's just one example of how they do that. There's some other resources and discounts. And the nice thing is with all of our experience at, at the at, in Pregnancy Help, they can pick up the phone and call us at any time, and we'll help them, try to work with them, answer key questions. Not everyone comes to, uh, unlike, uh, unlike doctors who spend years in training, uh, and to specialize in, in a certain um, in certain things, very few people can go and learn what it what is what it is to be a pregnancy help director or leader in a pregnancy center. And so they come with some other skills, and we we try to bring the the reality of what it means to operate an, a local nonprofit, what it means to uh, balance mission and business, because we have to kind of operate in both worlds, and then what it really means to love women into a life affirming decision. And you guys are not only international, but you're also interdenominational, right? Because a lot of these yes. uh, pregnancy centers are faith-based, and you guys work across the spectrum, right, with all different denominations of Christianity primarily, I guess? Yes, we do. Uh, and that's from its very founding. Uh, one of the interesting things that most people don't know because they don't they weren't really close to this when it was happening but the the catholics were the ones that were holding the line as our country was going through the you know the sexual revolution of the 60s was shifting the nation into a, a, a into towards an abortion culture and it was really the catholic church that was was standing strong in all of this and the rest of the christian community was not there and this is one of the reasons that made it really simple for the uh, for abortion proponents to really kind of tag the uh, the abortion opponents as being a Catholic thing and that that tended that was intentional tended to kind of drive a wedge in the Christian community and so um, early on it was something that was the the Catholic community was making it happen most of the founders of Heartbeat were Catholics and we began to to grow and realize that that that, that we all needed to be a part of this and so initially we started as human humanitarian in order to avoid the Catholic tag, although everyone at the at the core of the group were Catholics. But then what happened was in, in the 70s, uh, C. Everett Koop, who you know became Surgeon General yes. under Reagan, along with a with a with the famed evangelical scholar uh, Francis Schaeffer, yes. uh, published a book and a video series called "Whatever Happened to the Human Race." Yes. And and I have heard and talked to people that were 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 in those days in the churches. They went to church to watch the video series, you know, VHS. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's yes. uh, you know some of our younger <laughs> folks might have to look that up on Google. But uh, they went and actually watched that series, and that lit a fire in the Protestant and evangelical communities. And it was then following that. So that was like 79, 78, 79. In the 80s, then the evangelical community came into the movement in a big way. But where they went was not so much maybe to the March for Life, not so much to the po political spectrum, although some, although some did, many did, but a, a big number came right into the pregnancy help community world. And we saw, I can trace it on a chart, we saw huge growth in pregnancy centers in the mid 80s, 84, 85, 86, and, and, and it just kept growing. Meanwhile, the abortion numbers, the abortion clinic numbers began to come down. And it was, I think, in 1996 was the first time there were actually more more pregnancy help centers in the U.S. than there were abortion clinics. And wow. today, the good news to report is that there are four, for every one for every one abortion clinic, there are four pregnancy centers. Holy Beautiful. cow. That's encouraging, isn't it? Yeah. Now, to stick with the uh, theme of this episode, abortion pill reversal, you guys have kind of taken in the, under your wing the abortion pill reversal network, haven't you? Yes. That was, ex that was an exciting thing for us. And, um, uh, 2017, uh, Dr. Delgado reached out to me. He's the pioneer of this work. I know yeah. you were talking to him earlier. Amazing, amazing guy. We really uh, appreciate his his heart and his his brilliance and his 
pioneering um, prowess, really. And he saw this need. You know, he 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 had a, a a patient present with this, and and he built this from from the kind of the ground up. And he built it to the point where he's like, well, I you know, there's some key things that I need. I I need I need some help answering the phone, which we had yes. option line. And then he said, I I really need some technology because we need some database help. And we happen to had had just launched a kind of pregnancy center. Uh, um, uh, solution for really which allowed us to create a virtual center in, in a digital environment and he needed help with some website stuff and some training platforms all of which we had because we were doing this and he wanted uh, more of a national and international exposure and we kind of possessed all of that so it was with uh, just a, a great day in, in our life when we were actually had our conference in Anaheim, which is just up the, just oh, yeah. up the road a piece from where he is in San Diego, and um, he kind of turned the keys over to us. We answered our very first call in April of 2018, and we've just been off and running. And so uh, we're excited. Uh, uh, every month now, we're able to interact with with about 150 women who have immediately regretted their chemical abortion and, wow. and get them towards uh, that that abortion pill reversal process. And so we're excited for that. We've now seen. Um, I think when 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 he uh, passed it on to us, they had had about 450 babies that they knew had been rescued during that during that their time, and since then we've now eclipsed 2,000 uh, babies. So we're excited for that and excited to continue growing. We've we've grown the number of nurses, we've created some tools and processes, and we just have been very grateful for Dr. Delgado's confidence in us to do that, and and are blessed that he continues to work with us even on our medical advisory team. How fulfilling that must be to know you are actually saving lives every month. Well, absolutely. It, it is, <laughs> it's something that we've been a part of, of course, because the pregnancy help community does this all the time and has been doing it yes. for years. And, you know, uh, um, the, our friends at Charlotte Lozier, you know, counted, we, we serve about 2 million women every year in the pregnancy help centers across the country. However, in most of those instances, what we are doing is, is hopefully, redirecting her path from an abortion to a life affirming decision, you know, get her to yes. that life care. But in a, but in abortion pill reversal, we are actually altering the path from the midst of an abortion. And yes. that is Incredible. new, that is dynamic and that's amazing. And we thank God that he has provided not just pioneers like Dr. Delgado, but this process that we can successfully help her walk that path. As we wrap this up, uh, Jarrell, I want to point out to our listeners that you at Heartbeat International are the first major sponsor for the 2021 Catholic Medical Association Annual Conference, which will be October uh, 7th to 9th down in Orlando, Florida. The theme of the conference is the joy of medicine. Uh, yours truly is the chairman. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart and look forward to seeing you in Orlando. You know, what final insights, comments, ideas would you like to leave with listeners on your work and particularly abortion pill reversal? Well, we're excited to join you, by the way, in Orlando and joy of medicine. What more of a joy is there to see when an abortion pill can be reversed and the life saved? You know, that's power of life, overcoming the power of death. One last thought is that I hope every listener takes away is optionline.org. If, if, if this is the one thing I think everyone should be walking around with, we, we, we answer about a thousand calls and contacts a day, chats, email, uh, abortionline.org. 1-800-712-HELP. This is a number that everyone should be walking around with because we will connect people who are looking for help to that life-affirming help in their community. Whether it's Fort Wayne or Michigan or Columbus or California, wherever it is, that's what we're going to do is plug them in. So we're grateful for the opportunity to see lives saved and hearts touched and uh, glad to partner with you guys in your conference. 1-800-712-HELP. That's correct. Optionline.org. Jarrell, thank you. God bless you. I'm glad you were here, and we'll be back with the end of the show after this break. And we're back with Dr. Doctor and the answer to the medical trivia question. And it's a short question. What was the name of the first network of crisis pregnancy centers? And this was the first one I heard of even when I was in medical school, and it's Birthright. Birthright International. What country did it start in? Did you know, Andrew? I did not know. This was before before I was a twinkle in my parents' eye, I think, Tom. <laughs> uh, it started in Toronto, Canada in the year 1968. So five years before Roe v. Wade, when things were happening at 
local levels in states and, and provinces in Canada. And now there's over 400 chapters of Birthright Worldwide and, of course, thousands of pregnancy help centers. Man, what a blessing. It's great to hear so much good work being done. You know, the top top three takeaways I kind of wanted to leave with our listeners today. Number one, abortion pills are the way lots of abortions are happening and more and more rather than the traditional surgical abortion. Some places in the world, it's the majority are happening that way. So it is a, a big thing. Number two, you can reverse it, especially it works the best right after the fact, the first several days. But after you take the first pill, you can turn the abortion around in the midst of it before you take the second pill. No matter what anybody else tells you, there are cases, thousands of kids, literally, as we heard, and data to support that. And then I guess number three, the biggest thing to walk around with would be that uh, phone number that Jarrell gave us at the end, 1-800-712-HELP. If you or a loved one or a friend needs help, give them that number, 1-800-712-HELP. And he said that there is information online, if you're that kind of person, at optionline.org. That would be the online equivalent of that help number. That's optionline.org. And I think it's a beautiful thing when we see Catholics and Protestants uh, working together in these uh, arenas. Well, it's so encouraging because the Right to Life movement has grown so much, and you can only feel that uh, science is catching up to the Right to Life movement with the ultrasound first, and now more and more, everything we're learning, we've got the abortion pill reversal. Uh, it feels good to be on the side of truth. And um, I would just encourage folks to have have the wherewithal when, when you find yourself in a position to help somebody, have that phone number, 712-HELP, um, so that you, you can be that help for someone. Uh, this was fascinating. I can't wait to hear the, the rat research to see if they can reverse the second of the two pills that are sometimes given. Uh, but we'll follow up. You know, we on Dr. Doctor want to keep you abreast of the latest and greatest pro-life medical news. So thank you all for listening to yet another episode of Dr. Doctor, the award-winning official radio program and podcast of the Catholic Medical Association, brought to you from the virtual studios of Redeemer Radio on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Yes, and please share the good news of Dr. Doctor with a friend and invite them to listen on their favorite podcast app. And be sure to rate and review our show so that new listeners can find us. Be sure to tune in for your appointment next week for Dr. Doctor. This is Dr. Tom McGovern and Dr. Andrew Mullally signing off until your next dose of Dr. Doctor. Dr. Doctor is the official radio program of the Catholic Medical Association whose members are dedicated to upholding the principles of the Catholic faith in the science and practice of medicine. The views expressed on Dr. Doctor do not necessarily represent those of your co-host or the Catholic Medical Association. Have a question for our doctors or a topic you'd like to hear about? Call or text your questions to the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598 or fill out the form at drdoctor.org. Tune in for new episodes every Friday and find all our past episodes at drdoctor.org. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.